loneliness, companionship, plus understanding, plus assurance, plus joy, plus despair, plus altruism, divided by respect, divided by moderation. Hello, welcome to Keyback Issue, a podcast that explores single issues of importance from the birth up through the Bronze Age and sometimes beyond. I am your host, Spencer, and I'm here with... Callie. Thanks for joining us. Sit back, get a drink, and just relax as we take you through a journey of... Comics? Comics. <laughs> and massage your eardrums oh, yeah. with our pleasant voices. Yeah. So... Um, this is a podcast, like Callie said, where we will um, pick out um, issues that we think are important to comics in general. Um, we do have a section that will uh, be up later in the show called Key to Me, where we, we pick issues that are important to us, but not necessarily comics in general. But the main review is going to be comics that we feel had an impact on the, on the medium uh, as a whole. Right. And if you guys have any uh, suggestions or want to hear us talk about something, um, please send us uh, your like thoughts and, uh, you know, the, I can't think of the word now all of a sudden. Whatever you want us to review. Yeah, in fact, just <laughs> send us, like, uh, gifts. Like, if you find any gifts that are funny or memes, send us those. Yeah, right, exactly. In fact, make memes of us. Yeah. Okay. The- and um, how do they do that? How do they send that to us, Kelly? Um, you can send it to us uh, once we get our Instagram <laughs> started, but uh, you know we're not that cool yet, so uh, we'll probably get a Facebook page uh, or something eventually. And I don't know how you get e- email addresses. We'll have to figure that out. How does somebody yeah. get an email address? I don't even. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Do you I write? Did. Do you write like uh, the White House or something? Yeah, I think yes. I think you have to be on the FBI uh, most wanted list to get an, e- <laughs> an email account. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll have to try that out. So, uh, anyway, yeah, so um, stick with us and uh, just let, give us your feedback when we um, find a way to do that. Um, I'm sure um, if you're listening to this, we'll get on this right away, right? Yeah, I, within the next uh, couple of days, we'll have an Instagram. Yeah, so, by the time you're listening to this, just search Instagram for Keyback Issue or Facebook for Keyback Issue and look for some two sexy dudes, um, and then you know you found the right place. That's right. Oh, and uh, thank you all those Patreons that have subscribed. Oh, yeah. We do have special content for our Patreon subscribers. Thanks for bringing that up, Kelly. Um, so subscribe to us on Patreon, and you'll um, we'll include stuff in the episode um, that only the Patreon subscribers are allowed to listen to. It, it'll be in the episode, but if you're not a subscriber, um, we'll tell you when to skip. And Yeah, and then and stop listening to the recording. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, what's been going on, Callie? What's up with with you in comic wise, pop culture wise? Well, uh, recently, um, Luke Luke Cage season two came out today, mm-hmm. I believe, and uh, I have not watched it yet. Okay, well, good talk. <laughs> um, I think uh, what else? Um, that movie Tag came out in theaters. I haven't oh, seen yeah. that yet either. I haven't either. No. Nope. Yeah, nope. What else haven't we seen? Uh, Incredibles two. I have not <laughs> oh, seen that. I did see Incredibles. Oh, you did. Two. How was that? Yeah, we took it. Yeah. I wish I knew, dude. Uh, I went with um, all my kids. I've got two little kids and my son's friend, who's also a little kid. So, I had to take my son to the bathroom midway through, uh-huh. and I came back, and my daughter needed to go to the bathroom, so I had to Aww. take her to the bathroom. I came back, then my son's friend needed to go to the bathroom, <laughs> and so. Uh, 
So I took him, and then I came back, and my son needed to go to the bathroom again, so he had some stomach issues going on. Yeah. And so I spent most of that movie in the bathroom, but uh, I think the parts I saw were pretty good. Cool. I was hoping that Syndrome would remake an appearance, but he didn't, do. He didn't? Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we, d- we do our spoiler alerts after we do our spoilers. Just yes. So you know. um, yeah, so that, would, that movie was, uh, yeah, from what I saw, it was pretty mm-hmm. good. Cool. Yeah. It's interesting because it's... It's now between the time of the first one and the second one, superhero movies took off in a big way, right? Right. So yeah. it's interesting to see them try to fit with, you know, the whole super movie, superhero movie genre. Um, now that it's what it is, and I think from what I saw, they did a good job. Yeah, it looks cool. I mean, I, I really want to see. I'm actually going tomorrow to it. Oh, yeah? uh, I'm pretty excited to see that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not super excited for Ant Man and Wasp. I don't get it. You know, dude, Wasp is pretty. Wasp gets beat off by Hank Pym. <laughs> no, yeah, off. Dude. Yeah, that's only. Do you think they'll do that? Uh, spoiler alert: We're going to be reviewing something by Mark Miller later, and that was the thing. And wasn't that just an Ultimus thing? It may have been. I don't think they did that in the real series. No, I thought uh, Hank Pym abused her, Janet, and Tony Stark had an alcoholic problem. Yeah, they they were unrelated. Uh, Tony Stark <laughs> wasn't an alcoholic because Hank Pym was beating his wife. <laughs> okay. So Tony Stark is like, how do I deal with this, man? I'm just yeah. gonna start drinking. And then Captain America starts banging Janet later. In the Ultimates. In the Ultimates. Yeah, but that's not real Marvel Universe except for Nick Fury. Nick Fury, yeah. Nick yeah. Fury came to fruition from the Ultimates. Yeah, that's true. People yeah. don't know this, uh, but there was no Nick Fury before. Before uh, the Marvel movies and the Ultimates. The Nick Fury as we know him, anyway. Like Hasselhoff, dude. Yeah, Hasselhoff was great, dude. All right, so should we get into it, man? Let's, let's get into the review. So, uh, this week, we're going to be reviewing um, Dark Knight Returns, specifically issue number four. Um our podcast is called Keyback Issue. I'm sure we're going to review the overall story, but we're going to be focusing uh, on issue four since we have to abide by the podcast rules. That's correct. Just recording single issue reviews. Right. Um, this was uh, came out, and I'm not telling you guys probably anything you don't already know. Um, in fact, none of this podcast will probably be anything you don't already know because uh, everybody, this is one of the biggest comics uh, ever to have been written, but it was written by Frank Miller, drawn by Frank Miller, and it was colored by Lynn Varley, and uh, it basically set the tone for what we're still in Modern with Batman. Comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It uh, it's definitely uh, one of those trendsetters. It was kind of ahead of its time, if you will. Um, in the '80s, um, you know, it wasn't uh, stuff like this didn't really exist, and so Frank Miller. Uh, came along and said, "Hey, let's uh, let's take it from being a campy '66 version of Batman, and uh, let's turn this into something gritty and a little bit more crime-ridden, uh, more the way that Batman should be." So, Kelly, what's your uh, first exposure to this book? My first exposure uh, was um, so we talked about last time how I started getting back into comics. Um, probably like right after I got out of high school and, um, and for, you know, I was too young at the time to really, uh, be exposed to this Batman. And I, I don't know if it was just because of the people I was around or what, but I just, I never really had exposure until after I got back into comics and I was a little older. 
Um, so I understood the content. I, I, I believe as an, as an older individual than I would have when I was a kid. Um, so for that fact, I mean, I don't really have a nostalgia for it, but, um, but I do uh, respect it for what it is and, and its place it played in the medium. So I, I read this pretty young. I think I was maybe 12 years old when I read this. Um, it wasn't right when it came out, but it was shortly after it came out. I was really into Batman around that time and getting into comics. And I read this and, and uh, I, I'm sure I didn't know what I was even reading at the time, dude. Like, I remember, like just not really knowing much about like any of the details about the story, just like the main fights and stuff. I was into, you know, those things and things, but, uh, but I do remember just thinking it was a cool idea. It's like, Oh man, we got an old Batman and, uh, him fighting Superman is always cool. So I do remember really enjoying that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't until I was older and then I, um, went to read it. Um, as an adult that I really appreciated it and saw like legitimately what this thing did. So, um, a little, uh, if you guys don't know, um, this was <clears throat> Frank Miller. He just, um, I think he just come off, come from Marvel and this is, I could be wrong, but uh, in fact, I, we meant to say at the beginning of this issue, we mostly, most likely are wrong. We're not doing a ton of research on this. Just <laughs> talking about like, we're, we're just talking, Basically, what we want this podcast to be is just like people talking in a comic book shop, where you got a lot of you got those two dudes that are just talking out of their ass the whole time, um, <laughs> and that's us. So um, if you get a hold of us, if we miss something, and we'll uh, we'll let everybody know. Yeah, we'll definitely revisit it, and if if we need to be corrected, don't don't hesitate to let us know, because uh, we are humble enough to uh, to admit when we're wrong. So this was um, this came at a time where it's like a big transition for comics, right? So People point to this one and uh, Watchmen. They came out around the same time. I think was Watchmen '85, maybe. I can't it was remember. Somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so they came out around the same time, and basically it turned superheroes on their head. You know, it, um, prior to this, Batman um, in the '60s and things um, was really campy, um, and based off of like the success of the TV show. Then um, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams came along and uh, and and changed Batman to be more of like a a gritty character, but then Frank Miller came and took what um, they had built on and and just blown it out of the park. You know, this is like a completely different story than it actually makes some of that 1970s Neil Adams Batman stuff look campy because of what this this turned into. To a little bit of the detriment, like of Batman, I would think the stuff that came after. Uh, there was a lot of good stuff, but there was a lot of bad stuff trying to copy right. what Frank Miller did. Right. Right. Yeah, it, it seems like uh, you know a lot of people want to jump on that bandwagon of hey, let's make this you know dark and and uh, a little bit messed up, if you will, you know, and and uh, so then you, you had um, you know characters that maybe shouldn't have gone as dark go darker, and uh, and but then that also spawn things like spawn right yeah, i mean yeah. so so that it, it i mean it for what it is i mean it, it it did create some things that are very iconic and and like i said ahead of its this was ahead of its time so it, it did help inspire other things but in some ways like spence said you know uh it it dragged some things through the mud too right and uh this um what was i gonna say 
Yeah, so Frank Miller came from Marvel. He was doing Daredevil, an amazing series there over there if you haven't had a chance to read it. And basically he had this idea to tell, um, you know, the a story of the end of Batman. Um, and so <clears throat> just, I guess, um, the lead up to this is Batman has come out of retirement. Um, basically he was going crazy uh, and just needed to be back out on the streets, right? So he came out of retirement and... Um, as he came out of retirement, uh, a lot of the old villains that had went away, um, like the Joker and Two-Face and things, they they started coming back too as Batman was coming back. And so I, I don't know if this is the first place to really, um, to really like uh, investigate the reason why Gotham City has so many crazy villains is because Batman is also crazy. And, you know, but th that's definitely a thing that came later where, um, you know, would B Gotham be better off without Batman because Batman brings out the crazies, you know. So um, so you start to see that come up. And uh, what's that? There's, there's a panel um, in... Uh, sorry, I have the trade paper back in front of me. It's I think it's uh, volume two or chapter two or whatever. But it's like a straight out of Sin City panel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. It's black and white. It's got yellow word balloons. I mean, it's and it's Batman confronting Two-Face... And it, I mean, it is gorgeous. And it just kind of stands alone um, in this. Oh, I'm sorry. It's actually chapter, it's the last page of chapter one. Uh, but it stands alone at the top on the right-hand side. Um, anyway, it's just beautiful. I was just yeah. looking at it, just admiring how no, beautiful it is. It is interesting because yeah. this came out like six or seven years before Sin City did. Um, again, I'm probably wrong on that. But I know it was over five years before Sin City and you can definitely see the beginnings of Sin City in there. Definitely. Um, so basically, uh, he is, um, you know, coming out of retirement. He's he's starting to fight the bad guys. There's this uh, group called the Mutants that are basically this like terrorist organization there that was trying to take over Gotham City, and I think that's one of the reasons that Batman decided to come back out as he saw everything that was going on. Um, he ends up, uh, as you know, I'm sure, uh, getting a new Robin. Um, her name's Carrie. It was a girl Robin. And she um, basically saved Batman's ass. Um, he, she actually goes on to save his ass a couple a of times. A few times, yeah. yeah. Yep. But that was how she became Robin. Um, like, uh, Jason Todd stole the hubcaps off the Batmobile yeah. and that's how he became Robin <laughs> and Carrie um, she saved Batman um, and uh, I mean her character is really awesome so uh, it it goes on um, well actually you want to take it from here yeah so um, he goes through and um, Joker is released through uh, from the asylum and uh, he does like this big like interview um, like on a talk show well, anyway, uh, Joker gets out, and he starts wreaking havoc. In the meantime, um, there's also these, like, neo-Nazi. There's, like, this, like, erotic uh, swastika over her nipples crazy lady. Um, and it's really cool because Batman uh, pretends to be this old woman that beats the shit out of, like, th all three of them in this convenience store. But I think Carrie comes in and helps him out, too. But, um <clears throat> yeah, what's what's weird about this is that there's like three different stories going on at one time, and they kind of start to intertwine as you start to read deeper and deeper into it. Um, so it's not all just straightforward, and, and there's a lot of politics in this. 
Um, there's a lot of um, symbolism. Uh, there's, I mean, the, the first time you see the Superman emblem, um, there's a close-up, or I'm sorry, it's, it's, it shows a flag on a pole, and it starts to close up to the flag, and then, and then as it pans back out, it's if the red or the white turns to yellow, and the red becomes a Superman symbol, um, just showing that you know Superman is fighting for um, the USA. Now, um, one thing Batman does bring up later on in issue four is that um, you know Batman wants to stand up for what's right, but Superman always just seems to take orders from people that are in suits and ties and kind of pulling the strings, and and sometimes those people aren't always in the best positions. Yeah. Right. Um, basically, Superman is a puppet for uh, the American government and the military, and he just literally does whatever um, the president, who is Ronald Reagan in this story, um, asks him to do. And um, you know, I think this is one of the one of the first ones that really developed Batman and Superman's characters and how they interact with each other, because you really see the um, the difference between them is that Batman wants to do things his own way he has his own idea of justice where Superman um, wants to abide by other people's way of justice and stuff and, and it's cool to see them interact off of each other so when at the beginning of issue four um, it opens up right after um, Joker has died right um, yep and sorry were you want to say something before this no I was just you were talking about the interaction between uh you know batman and superman and there's a whole part where like reagan is on the on the screen and anyway it's it's more detailed than than you probably should go into but um anyway batman's like readying a horse and he's gonna go riding with you know clark and um they just book, both look like badasses and they're like talking but uh anyway this, yeah actually on that page so superman's doing this like uh, kind of this pose where he's got his leg up on a rock and he's staring off into the dis- distance and I really love this one. It says, uh, Batman's captions are over it and says, there's just the sun and the sky in him. Like he's the only reason that it's all there. And then he ruins it all by talking. And I thought that was like so <laughs> awesome. Like it's perfect, like the relationship between those two. So as book four opens up, Joker's just died. Um, what's really cool and interesting is that it was all done in like an amusement park where there's been, you know, um, killing joke took place in an amusement park and several other Joker stories did. But what's really cool about this is basically Batman's coming to this amusement park to kill Joker because he has um, he's taken all of the murders that Joker has done um, on himself he says I've murdered thousands of people because I haven't murdered the Joker basically and so he's going there to kill the Joker so that the Joker so that though he doesn't have to have his Joker's future murders on on his conscience and uh, one of the coolest things that I know I didn't pick up the first time I read this when I was younger, but uh, where they end up fighting to the death, um, they're both trying to kill each other actually in this point, and where they end up doing it is inside the tunnel of love, which I thought was really cool. Like, yeah. Because they have a relationship, and it's almost like a, you know a loving relationship in a way, you know, like and that's been explored in the Killing Joke actually a little bit, and. Um, even the Batman Lego movie, um, they explored that a little <laughs> bit, which I thought was cool. But uh, it's like they need each other, right? And so it's really fitting and cool that like they're battling to the death inside the tunnel of love, you know. And, right. and I think that's like so. And basically, Batman was going to pop his murder cherry in the tunnel of love, and he, yeah, he goes and he's ready to kill the Joker, and uh, but he doesn't actually end up killing Joker. He paralyzes him. Um, 
he twists his neck and paralyzes him, but the Joker's still alive. And then the Joker, because he's crazy, ends up just killing himself by twisting his neck, his own neck, even further. All the further. rest of the way. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I thought that that was like awesome. And, and you know, and then Batman didn't end up murdering, you know, the, the Joker. It didn't have to have that on it on him on his own hands. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and then and then from there, uh, Batman's coming out. He's like got stabbed by the Joker. Uh, he spits on Joker, and then uh, he leaves. I don't think that's spit, by the way. But oh yeah, it's, it, it, it is, is the not, tunnel of love. It is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> we should cut that one panel out and like. Just make... Yeah. Um, and then um, the water has uh, gasoline or something in it, and uh, to keep the the SWAT away from him. Um. So he can escape, and then Carrie flies down with this helicopter, and like trying to like um, keep, basically distract the the SWAT coming after him, and she flies up with a helicopter, swing swings a rope around Batman, um, and then pulls him up. Uh, you know what I noticed is there there's a lot of wrangling in this uh, is, uh, in this issue or part of the story, uh, because yeah. later Batman and Carrie actually ride horses and they wrangle up a bunch of guys with ropes too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, actually, that part ends up being really cool. We'll get to that in a second. But, uh, yep, so it opens up um, as, uh, like Kelly said, um, Carrie comes and saves him. And then from there, um, one thing that's cool is he looks back as Carrie's saving him, and the Joker is on fire. Mm -hmm. And uh, he sees the Joker's face. It looks like he's laughing. and uh, And he, like, turns back around and he says stop laughing at the joker as he's burning and it's like it's so crazy like you can tell that batman's haunted by so many demons and this is right after the point where he punched uh the new commissioner in the face yeah <laughs> which is kind of yeah. awesome she pulls a gun on him and he like cute gun and he like pops her right in the face yeah so the commissioner yeah. now so commissioner gordon this whole thing takes place at the week the commissioner gordon is retiring and the new one uh commissioner yindel is a woman um which is really interesting. Later in the book, Batman says he, that she reminds him a lot of Dent when he was first becoming the commissioner. And, like, she totally is. Like, she, like, almost the look. She's like a female-looking version of what Dent looked like. Not Dent. Why did I say that? Gordon. Gordon, yeah. Yeah, of yeah. what Gordon looked like, you know, as he was starting. And, and you know, Commissioner, or commissioner Gordon was, or Lieutenant Gordon was all about catching Batman and stopping him at the beginning. And that's kind of what she's doing. So, anyway, to get out, Batman punches her in the face and, and gets out of there. And uh, so, yeah, Carrie wrangles him up. And there's this whole, like, um, helicopter shooting at these cops on, like, a roller coaster. And she does some acrobatics. It's pretty sweet. Um, so before we get too far, we want to talk oh, about sorry. the mutants. So the mutants, um, we talked about a little bit. That's that uh, terrorist organization. Well, Batman breaks down the mutants by basically uh, destroying their leader in front of them, right? Um, and they're all watching... So from there, they actually all break up. Uh, so some of the mutants become what's called the Sons of Batman because they, they witness Batman beat their leader, and so they want to be down with Batman, and so they paint like bat signals on their faces. Um, some of the mutants, it, they were only on there for like a page somewhere, but they were basically, I don't know if it, it called them this, but they were the other, the Joker's version of that. Like uh, they were ones that painted their faces up like the Joker, and they would go out and do stuff. And then there was another one that you'll see, we'll see later, that are called the Nixons, uh, who are basically, they wear Richard Nixon masks and go and try to rob people. So basically this gang of, or this uh, organization of mutants has, has gotten into smaller factions. Um, 
And so <clears throat> Batman ends up working with the uh, Sons of Batman. Um, we'll get there. but So Batman's basically almost dead, right, um, yeah. after this encounter with the Joker. Um, the Joker was stabbing him like crazy with a screwdriver in the stomach. And uh, and now then it opens up on Alfred uh, and Carrie trying to bring him back to life. Doing basically. surgery, yeah. Right. She, so, you know, Alfred's confident he'll live, but he's going to be in some pain. Um, so then the next uh, page, this is this is a pretty sweet scene. I, I actually really liked it. It's one scene condensed into like it's it's a whole scene condensed on one page. And basically, these Nixons come in to rob a store, and one of the Batman um, followers, um, the sons of Batman. He blows them all away, basically, um, during this uh, during this robbery of this uh, convenience store. Um, and this actually, this guy, this son of Batman guy, um, he ends up working and writing with Batman later. Like he's almost like a Nightwing type character mm -hmm. to me. Um, but he ends up working with Batman. So from here, there's uh, you see Superman. Russia has launched a nuclear missile at uh, America and this was written during the Cold War time uh, actually which uh, so all that stuff was like on the forefront which I mean we're kind of in that again right now but uh, yeah it, this was something that could, uh, people thought could happen um, during the time that Frank Miller wrote this so so they launch a nuclear missile Superman goes to stop it um, and then he ends up being able to redirect the missile from where its intended target was to go blow up over a desert I also want to point out there's a uh, there is a cameo of a kid that's portly of yeah, Miracle Man. Yeah, dude. I never noticed that when I was a kid and they or when I was younger. And now that I reread it, I saw that I'm like, oh, that is like the coolest like little cameo. Yeah, he's, I like, thought that too. He's just in the sky. background, but he's totally wearing a Miracle Man um, costume. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. So Superman blows up this nuclear missile, but that causes a um, electromagnetic storm. Which basically shuts down everything that has power. Not not just like the power grid, but like stuff that's not connected to the power grid, like cars and things with batteries and yeah. yeah. So everything goes out and then people are going crazy. People are losing their minds. There's rioting in the streets and everything. Um and and then that's when Batman comes back out again. So basically each one of these four issues there's something major that happens that Batman has to come out and and deal with. And this is one of the main things this time is is uh, Batman um, has to come out and and try to um, stop all this looting and rioting and everything that's going on, going on. And uh, during that time uh, in the prison, um, some of the uh, the mutants grab a security guard's gun or a or a, or a cop's gun and they blow him away and then shoot another one. But they um, and then a plane runs into a building. Um, and uh, the pilot is writing a, a letter to his wife. It's kind of nice. And then he slams into the building. And uh, it, it just, even more chaos erupts from there because now everything's on fire. So things are on fire. Um, everyone's running for their lives. Commissioner Gordon's trying to make it home. Um, there's riot in the, in the prison. Um, and the sons of Batman show up, and then you could take it. Yeah, so yeah. what's really cool is. Um Earlier, uh, Batman says, um, you know, let's go, let, let's hit the stables um, because everything's not working. So they have to ride horses now. And it's like, the it's so badass. Oh, yeah, dude. dude it's it, awesome. Yeah. So him and Carrie, and Carrie's never even seen a horse before. And she's freaking out at first. She seems to adapt really quickly to everything, though. Like earlier in the book, 
she'd never jump from building to building, but it shows her attempting it a couple of times, and then all of a sudden she's like an acrobat. Like so, um, she um, takes this stuff pretty quick. Um, so anyway, so they they're riding in on horses, and some of the sons of Batman are also on horses, and that's how they're gonna come like save the city, and and it's just like so many cool scenes, and then the one that <clears throat> son of Batman that is Nightwing like is riding with them. During this whole thing, Commissioner Gordon's down in it because he's worried that his wife is is in the fire, um, and and people are just fighting each other. Commissioner Gordon has to basically pull out his gun to the civilian, to the regular people, and just say, you know what, we need to get up there and stop that fire. We need to um, help people instead of just trying to kill each other, which um, was basically happening. And you see um, the new commissioner a, a little bit here. But then she kind of disappears from the story at this point. Yeah, it's like once the whole, like, he punches her in the face, like, she's gone. Yeah. Like, she doesn't really ever come. Well, she's there a little bit, but it, not very much. Like, she she becomes, like, part of, like, the whole, like, group effort. So she, she so she fades away from being more of a main character, more to, like, a background character. This, this might point. be actually where she, uh, this might actually be the last appearance of her is um, she sees Batman ride in on his horses uh, um, and... The one of the cops that says, Commissioner Gordon, we should stop him, basically. And she just says, no, no, he's too big. And then and then I think that, that might be the last you actually see of her. So it, was, it almost looks like she realized that this is bigger than what she can handle. Right. And she backed out at this point. Well, and even the next page that's really cool that kind of goes with it, Commissioner Gordon's like, you know, like thumbing something, like move that water. And it says the spirit spreads as fast as the fire. So yeah. it's almost like she understands the spirit of Batman now yeah. beyond what she used to be. And I, and the thing is, like, I love those undertones throughout this whole book. Right. I mean, there's tons of them. And, right. and um, that's just one easy one to point out. Uh, and everybody, you know, even like... You know, everybody's trying to understand Batman himself, included Superman, and you know they they all start to understand you know as it goes on. But because of this, um, because of this uh, electromagnetic storm, it's caused basically like a nuclear winter. It, the sky is is completely blacked out, um, and because of that, the sun is no longer shining down, and Superman's losing all his powers. Right? Yeah. So like he basically gets hit by a lightning bolt falls the sun and, and he like is pleading with mother earth hey you and i get our power from the same thing like help me um and he he seems to absorb some power from like a sunflower or something i think it, it was he said the name martha and then yeah that's exactly what happened yeah exactly what happened <laughs> i think that flower's name is martha and uh, <laughs> so she like basically you see some of his flesh come back and then he takes off um then it interviews um like this priest who uh, was interviewed earlier um, in the story, and he was basically like hated the younger generation, thought that they were all messed up, and and it's he uh, one of the guys that he ran into previously, the uh, this like teenager who was listening to loud music, who he hated basically before. This teenager ends up coming to his aid during these riots and everything, and and it's cool because just the whole story is like was has been complete chaos and fighting and stuff, but. This is the part where it all switches and everybody, you know, is starting to work together and, and things. Ba basically, the whole book has been set up as, like, because they have news interviews of people with counter-arguments and things. So there's been a lot of, um, l like, people fighting and going against each other Division. during this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. and then they're coming together. Yeah, yeah, and then they're coming together now at the very end when, when this big disaster happens. Um, so... 
basically, um, they come in, they uh, get everybody, get the fire put out. Turns out Gordon's wife, who they never show in here, yeah, other do, than yeah. in a silhouette. And it's his second wife, right? Because Bar- yeah. his first wife's dead. Uh-huh. This one's Sarah. Um, but, yeah, it turns out that there was never anything, or that she was okay. She was fine. Yeah. Yep. You know, one thing I did notice, too, if you look at that, that panel of Batman coming out at us on a horse, um, you have Carrie riding closest, and then you have three other sons of Batman. So how many Robins were up to Carrie? Um, Tim? Well, at this point, it was, and yeah, but Tim wasn't around when this book was written. Right, but what I'm saying is they represent the sons of Batman, right? So, like... Right. The, the Robins. Right. So right. Yeah, Carrie, Tim. But uh, I was just saying, Frank Miller wouldn't have known about Tim. Uh, oh, okay. Because Tim came into comics after this was written. I'm an idiot. Well, yes, okay. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah. Well, and actually, there would need to be a fourth because of Damien if, if your thing was going to work out. But uh, I like where you were I was going trying to that. reach, I guess. Because at this point, there'd only been. Um, so now a lot of this doesn't work, but. Because the only two Robins he ever refers to is Dick, Dick and, Jason. and Jason in here. Yeah, yeah. and so, they carry, yeah. Yep, so, um, but yeah, then uh, then Tim obviously came and uh, Damien. So it's interesting reading it so far later um, because Jason is back, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. like, he, because a lot of this is him mourning and feeling guilty for what happened to Jason. But yeah, anyway, but yeah, that panel that you were talking about is awesome, dude. I, I'd love a poster of that on my wall. It looks yeah, so it's cool. So great. So Superman's coming down basically to stop Batman, and oh, one thing was really cool is Batman knew this was coming, right? Like the uh-huh. whole time, yeah, and, it was planned out. And he and Superman uh, uh, is up above, like all the clouds and stuff. Like you can't see him, but Superman uses his heat vision to write in in on the ground in fire, just the question where, and and mm-hmm. and Bruce knew exactly what the question was about and he was ready to face it and he just says crime alley that's what he said and because superman his super hearing could obviously hear him could say just say crime alley yeah so yeah that's freaking cause sweet basically batman's saying you know what i want to die where my parents died like right. he doesn't think at all that he's going to go win superman he's going to die that's why right. he's going there he's totally planning later he talks about that like the only place we could be is where my parents died yeah and so he plugs himself into a pole and they just like start beating the crap out of each other Right, and he's got his armor on. He's got this, uh, you know, super protective armor, which you know you probably all know if you've it's similar. If you haven't read this book, it's similar to the what was uh, what he was wearing in the Superman Batman movie. Um, but yeah, basically, you got Bruce Wayne. One thing I love about this fight is Bruce knows that he's not going to beat Superman. Like he knows it. He's just trying his best to basically have some effect. Like yeah. you know, so as Superman's flying in. One of the coolest things is uh, Bruce Wayne had uh, put around this crime alley these missiles that are triggered by X-ray vision, mm-hmm. and so because he knew Clark was going to be looking for him, and so as he's using the X-ray vision, these missiles get triggered, and then they hit him. Um, and Superman is just recovering, like we said, from losing all his powers, and so you know Batman notices that it has a little, it shakes him up a little bit, and then immediately like comes at him with a tank right yeah. after that yeah and so then he comes in rips open the tank and sees carrie sitting there with a slingshot like <laughs> yeah. it's gonna do anything you know and he's scene, like actually. it's isn't it a school night yeah <laughs> and it's really cool i just i love the dynamic here because superman he doesn't want to have to kill bruce wayne he, like he's tried so many other ways to do this and he still doesn't want to but uh you know he, like he takes all his orders from the president and he needs to come you know well it's still it's almost the same dynamic as joker and batman 
Because, you know, except Joker and Batman don't like each other. But there's that, that constant battle. And, and same thing with this is like, you know, Superman doesn't want to kill him. But he's like, well, I got to do what I'm told to do. Right. And so um, it's, just, it's just love-hate that the same... Like I said, I, I feel like there's a similar dynamic between the Joker and Batman as there is Superman and Batman, but in a not the same... Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, so. it does. One thing that's funny about this is this fight feels like um, a little kid trying to fight like an, an adult man, basically. Like, you know, like uh, when, like, my son, I, you guys don't know this, but picture your, your, your son wanting to fight with you. And basically you can just put your hand on his head and then he can't reach you. That's what it feels <laughs> like because it seems like Superman is just humoring him, basically. Superman does this just little tiny punch and breaks Superman's ribs and he, you know, or I mean, Batman's ribs, and he doesn't want to do it. Obviously, you can tell, but he's just like, okay, um, well, here, here's what we gotta do. Oh, and he basically just says, it comes to a point after Bruce punches him, um, Superman just says, Bruce, this is idiotic. You're just bone and meat like all the rest, and then he just rips Batman's armor off like yeah, it's no thing. Like, yeah, like no big deal. And so he's just like, I mean, that's the thing is, Superman can just kill him at any time. And right. so then Batman sprays uh, acid in, in Superman's face. And then probably one of my favorite parts of this whole battle shows up. Um, Green Arrow shows up. He's got one arm. And um, you know how, like, Batman v Superman, uh, Batman had that grenade launcher thing that shot, you know, kryptonite. Well, um, Green Arrow's arrow has kryptonite in the tip of it. Um, he pulls it back with his teeth upside down hanging from a fire escape launches the arrow hits Superman and explodes on Superman and then, then Batman just starts beating the crap out of him again um, dude so hold up a second <laughs> so I initially thought it was loaded with kryptonite too but uh, is it not loaded with the thing that basically kills Batman like a chemical or some sort that kills him so when I first read because it's green I thought it was that too. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is what happens after this oh, yeah, is basically Bruce, Bruce Wayne dies, um, only to be brought back alive again. And you're and, right. It's a chemical that that knocks that basically kills. Bat. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. Yep. Right. Yep. Because uh, later he says something about um, that Batman's really. He says I'm really good with chemicals. Right. Um, and so initially, like that's what was confusing to me because it looks like it. But if you look at the top of the page right after he shoots the arrow um it looks like gas is coming up all yeah around, it does look like right? a gas yeah well that's why i thought because i was thinking of batman v superman and how he like made a gas type of kryptonite right and then but but it makes more sense now what you're saying because yeah later he explains like you know like his heart superman can hear his heart beating and he's like what the heck but it, it must have had kryptonite in it too because yeah, he it actually superman yeah he actually does like hurt superman at this point if anybody knows the chemical um please write us and tell us <laughs> yeah. what chemical i mean he is. had to have mixed it with uh with kryptonite because uh because superman gets hurt for sure but it as batman's fighting him uh batman eventually dies but just get to brought uh, just to be brought back alive again two pages later mm -hmm. um but what what's really crazy is just batman has so much like so much anger in him, dude, that he's trying to work out again on Superman, right? And he's just like, he's just kicking Superman and hurting him. He says, I want you to remember, Clark, in all the years to come, in your most private moments, I want you to remember my hand at your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. And right as he's saying that, he's got his hand on Superman's throat, and then Batman dies. 
And I just think, like, Batman seems so mad. And Clark has never... Superman didn't come in here mad. He didn't come in here guns a-blazing like Batman did, right? Batman's just got some anger issues he needs to work out. Which it seems like on the last page or so that he does eventually work him out through this whole thing. And what's what's most appropriate, I mean, taking it out on Superman when you can't take it out on anyone else. I mean, Superman's the one that could take it. Yeah, exactly. So you might as well. And if you want to see your victim bleed, you're going to hit him with something that's going to affect him, you know? So, so yeah, so he basically his heart stops beating. Then it goes to his funeral, you know, and you're just like, okay, well, Batman's dead. Uh, Catwoman, she's an old lady. She's there, and she um, she's yelling at Superman because uh, he knows that she thinks that Superman killed him. Oh, uh, the Wayne Manor and the Batcave, uh, Alfred sets explosion, uh, explosives to all of that, so it's all gone, trying to er- erase the fact that Bruce Wayne... Well, I don't know, actually. No, just trying to probably erase like the stuff because it does yeah. come out that Bruce Wayne was Batman in this whole thing. And he dies of a stroke. Yeah, so Alfred's dead, and uh, nobody seems to care nope. that Alfred died. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing in here <laughs> commemorating Alfred. Uh, but anyway, at the funeral, um, Carrie is there, um, and she's got her face covered and her head covered, but Superman recognizes her from um, that time he probably saw her in the tank. And... And he, she realizes that something's up, that Bruce, you know, had something going on. And he, he just gives this wink to her, this knowing wink. And, and you know, Superman was happy that Batman's still around is what is what it seemed like. Yep. And then the last page of the whole series, Batman is showing some blueprints, I think, of, of where he's at. Um, and Carrie and the some of the uh, reformed mutants and, some, and the, the sons of Batman are all working together. Uh, to help keep uh, Gotham safe, and apparently uh, Green Arrow's there too. Oh yeah, you can see yeah Green Arrow's. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. So, uh, so yep. So basically, uh, it, it almost seems like he's done being Batman, but he's probably going to lead these guys from behind the scenes. Is what it seems like. And to then me. he'll probably get like two Doberman pincers and live in Gotham Manor forever. <laughs> yep, as that's an true. old crotchety man with a cane. Yep. So, yeah, um, so I don't know if you saw in the back of this, um, they had, like, a script of the last... Oh, no, I didn't look into that. Yeah, so they actually have a script of the last um, the last issue, the one that we reviewed. Uh-huh. Um, and it actually had an alternate ending originally. And it was basically... Um, and, and actually, they, so that's what makes me know that there was some sort of chemical in Green Arrow's thing. Because oh, okay. at the intro to that, it said... The ending is darker because Bruce Wayne does it to himself, whereas basically Green Green Arrow did it to Batman. Um, in in the ending that was published, but in the in the one that shows the script, the alternate ending, um, Batman gets beat up. Uh, one of the, it was like one of the times he got beat up, or no, it was after he was done with the Superman fight. He didn't get killed, but he was in a hospital bed, and he ended up. Uh, the The nurse walked in to check on him. She walked out. He ends up grabbing a needle that's sitting by him, his bed, and he digs inside of his arm with the needle, and it, and then he puts his fingers in his arm, and he pulls out a little capsule in his arm, uh-huh. and he swallows the capsule, and then it does the same thing. It stops his heart, and he's dead. And then, then the ending's the same where he comes back alive, but Green Arrow huh. wasn't originally involved in that, so... So yeah, so there was. It, it's weird that they weren't too clear. It seemed like it was like a kryptonite, uh, whatever other chemical it was. There. Mixture. Yeah. Yeah. But somebody actually probably knows the real answer to this. So let us know. Yeah, please let us know. Um, 
All right. Well, if you guys want to get that book, um, it's available in a million different formats. It originally came out with single issues, but I remember I had the trade version of it clear back like in the 80s, dude. So like they, they put a trade out of this pretty early. I think it was almost the same year that it came out. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And then, and then they have like an absolute edition that's huge, that's awesome, um, that includes the sequel to this that is we crap. won't speak of. Yeah, yeah, it basically didn't happen. There's a third one now. You read any of that? Nope. I read a couple issues of it, and in this one, they had people help, like basically co-write it, from what I understand, uh-huh. and different artists and stuff, and so. I think they were able to rein it in for this third one. They weren't going to let him loose again. Because, like, dude, on that second one, he turned in, like, pages that had, like, a few stick figures on it. <laughs> and he called it a finished page. So, um, but I guess uh, from what we understand, Frank Miller was going through a dark time um, mm-hmm. for a long time. And uh, with the help of Neil Adams, he's starting to get out of it, from what I understand. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and I hope we start seeing some good quality Frank Miller stuff coming up. Yeah, it'd be nice again. to see him go back to what he, what he was doing back when he was doing this in Sin City. Okay, well, I think that wraps it up for uh, this, this week's review. All right, welcome to this segment called Key to Me. It is, uh, as Spencer talked about earlier, it is a... Um, issue that we uh, felt like was key to us in our development as comic book readers or something that just is close to our heart uh, something that means something to us Um, so my choice my pick this time um, is going to be the authority number uh, 15 called the nativity Um, for those of you that don't know the authority um, it was uh, a warren ellis creation um, Brian Hitch did the first uh, few issues, and then the second um, arc, if you will, is done uh, by Mark Millar and Frank Quietly, one of Spencer's favorites. I do like him. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I've grown to love it. Okay, like yeah. cool. So, um, basically, it opens up um, with a massacre of um, a couple characters that you... Uh, know from from previous issues there's a guy named jack hawksmore which basically can tap into he can speak to the city um he can talk to machines and things he um uh he's basically like uh i don't know what he is exactly i don't know i don't think he's necessarily a cyborg but he's like uh he's not all human or or all superhero he's like a he's kind of like a he's he's part human but he's part something else and then the doctor and they're just like destroying people this book is very very bloody and gory um, that's one thing I love about it. It's just very in-your-face, over-the-top um, absurdity. Just it, like like Harley Quinn or Deadpool, right? <sighs> okay. Except they're way cooler than Harley Quinn and Deadpool. All right. Dude. Just checking. Sh- I mean, because some people would say, I really love Deadpool because it's so exactly what you said. But it, so but the thing is, that, but yeah, but this isn't... <laughs> yeah. Dude. Dude. Your whole right, dude, argument just, against Deadpool, just, I just toppled it over, dude. <laughs> Okay, anyway, we'll get into that in the next segment. Yes, we will. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, basically they come in. um, They're in Southeast Asia. And uh, they... Midnighter, who is one of the the main guys. He's uh, Batman. He's basically the Batman, yep. Yep. Uh, His boyfriend, Apollo. Um, We're cool with that. We are. Yep. Yep, we don't don't judge here. Yep. Yep. Uh, Then uh, there's a hawk girl type character named Swift. Um, Then you got um, a cyborg type character. Um, and for some reason, her uh, name just slipped my mind. 
Uh, I can't remember now. All of a sudden, I'm an idiot. Anyway, so anyway, they, they walk in. Midnighter kicks in the door and says, who's the leader? And the cyborg-type character, she just unloads bullets all over the people that are not the leader. And it's just a mass of blood and gore everywhere. Uh, so anyway, they, they interrogate the guy, drop him, and let the, let the townsfolk... Um, have their way with him because he basically uh, forced them into slavery and if they didn't slave they would crush their skulls uh, so some more things happen and basically the, the what the premise of this uh, part the nativity is is jenny sparks which is the old leader of the authority back in uh, all the way from 1900 to 1999 uh, died out uh, because the century ended and a new jenny sparks is to be born into an infant so essentially um her spirit goes into this baby and it's up to the authority to find the baby well um at some point these other people get the word that um that this baby has been born and they're led by this evil guy that looks kind of like the leader uh from the hulk um but he hires or has at his disposal a team of characters that basically resemble the avengers and I was reading this, I actually, some of the things that were going on, I felt bad for Jack Kirby when I was reading this because of the way they treated the characters. Because it is essentially exactly their archetypes. And so I, I thought back to like, man, like, they're basically like just destroying these characters that Jack Kirby created. And I, it was this weird feeling I had reading it this time around as opposed to when I read it before and, and didn't have as much appreciation for that. Hmm. Um, so your Captain America figure walks in and... Um, just starts beating the crap out of people in this uh in this hospital they go to this uh, uh maternity ward and there's a bunch of babies in this nursery well the iron man character um basically he um uploads all of his power and obliterates the infantry ward and basically destroys every single baby uh, so blows them all up and kills them all. In the meantime, it it, uh, it flashes to the doctor. He's running with the baby, trying to save her. And this Hulk character jumps down, and then Thor shows up. And there's this all-out like just battle. Well, the baby, as it's being approached by basically Giant Man or Hank Pym, if you will, um, that that character, um, basically does this energy field thing that blows his legs off. So he falls to the ground with uh, stubs, and then Apollo, the Superman character, flies through his head and uh, blows his brains out, basically. Um, as Midnighter jumps through a door, he crushes a dude's head with a rod. Uh, but basically, this is just like, again, uh, over-the-top violence and, and crazy um, crazy storytelling. I, I think it's really cool. I mean, it's not necessarily original, but to see the archetypes of, of the Justice League fight the archetypes of the Avengers and just kind of see this all-out brawl uh, is, is really cool. Um, the reason why I wanted to review that is because, um, again, this is at the time I was starting to get kind of back into comics and I was trying to expose myself to as much different things as I could. So I was reading Astro City. I was reading The Authority, um, you know, the Ultimate Spider-Man stuff. Um, and The Authority is, uh, is definitely different than what you would see in something that's in um, uh, Astro City. And so um, it, it just kind of opened my eyes to the way that comics, uh, the way they could be explored and how extreme they can get, um, you know, more adult uh, content that's, that's out there. And they were telling stories um, basically using characters that you grew up with, but 
telling stories they wouldn't be able to tell um, had they been writing them for Marvel or DC, right? So Correct. Yeah, this is published by Wildstorm, which um, was later purchased by DC, but at the time this was being published, I believe it was an image imprint. So it was a um, it was an indie-type book. Um, yeah, well, purchased. even still, it's basically like a Justice League story or right. an Avengers story, and you could never tell a story like this with this. And, Correct. And I'm, with using their characters. I'm assuming that this is probably before the Ultimates came out. This is probably what... Is it? I'm assuming this is what probably led to the Ultimates. Yeah, this is, I want to say it was 94 or something like that. Let me see real fast here. Couldn't have been 94. Oh, sorry. 2000. Okay. I'm, I'm way too... Yeah, yeah I'm way off. Because 94 was like... Yeah, they were, they were still doing like Wildcats and stuff back then. Yeah, um, so yeah, the Ultimates didn't come in until... I think 2002 or three, something like that. Yeah, so I think there was like probably Marvel and DC, like all these guys eventually went and worked with Marvel and DC, and they saw you know these are some cool stories we can tell, but we really can't do that with our main characters. But here's like an alternate version of these characters that you can do whatever you want with. So, uh, yeah, that's cool, dude. I I've only I never read the Authority too much. I I read like a few issues here and there, but uh, I didn't get super into it. But uh, yeah. it's fun. I mean, it's uh, definitely. Uh, at one point, you know, uh, the the Thor character, I believe it was him that says, you know, can you expect, what what can you expect from heroes that show up smelling like alcohol? Um, essentially because the Authority had been partying all night the night before. And uh, so they think they're just going to wipe the floor with them and then the Authority unleashes huh. all doom on these guys. Right on. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, my uh, key to me issue is, it's actually going to be kind of more of a series. Um, I may talk about one issue, but... Um, Back in uh, the 90s, um, right before the comics, uh, comics in general, the market crashed. Um, it started getting really big. It was a bubble, right? And uh, Image Comics was uh, was heading that up. And I was, eating, I was eating it all up, dude. I was buying Image Comics all the time. And... Uh, and there was this a series that came out called 1963... Um, that was each, each, um, issue was a whole different story, different characters and everything. But what it was is it was, uh, an homage to the character, the Marvel books from the 1960s. Well, actually 1963, um, which at the time this, these came out in 1993. So it was 30 years prior, um, the, the what they were trying to give an homage to. And so... There was like the first one was called Mystery Incorporated. It had a fa basically a Fantastic Four um, type story, um, and then there's um, un uh, Tales of the Uncanny um, and Tales from the Beyond, and th there was a few others or 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 us or something. Anyway, they all could be related to old Marvel comics, and they were it, they were written by Alan Moore um, and drawn by uh, Steve Bissett and Rick Beach, depending on which story it was. Um, and so me, I was in 93 when this came out. I was, what was I, 13, 15, I think. Um, and I, to my knowledge, I hadn't read Alan Moore previous to this. Uh, I wasn't, there's no way I was allowed to read The Watchmen when it came out. Um, and to my knowledge, unless it was on accident, I don't think I'd read an Alan Moore prior or book prior to this. So... I, I'm getting this at the same time as like Youngblood's coming out and Spawn and Wildcats and Cyberforce and Shadowhawk and all this stuff and I initially bought it because I was buying all that stuff and then I got this and I'm like hey this is this is not the same this is different than what I've been reading over there um, 
there's a different feel to this stuff and the art style is completely different they're you know they're trying to imitate Steve Ditko or Jack Kirby in this and stuff and it was it, it wasn't um, you know your extreme studios kind of style or things like that and and I was digging it and um, you know there's this one issue of this character named USA who is I just realized both of our um, Kitamiya issues is books like copying <laughs> other books. <laughs> um, That's awesome. <laughs> but this guy is basically a Captain America character um, who um, saves John F. Kennedy from Lee Harvey Oswald. He ends up stopping Lee Harvey Oswald um, before he can kill JFK. And then, um, then there's the uh, what's that other guy's character's name? Or what's that other guy who Bucky. killed? No, the guy who was gonna who killed Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, JFK. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, Jack, something. Anyway, he ends up. Lee Harvey Oswald got shot as he was walking out of the police station in real life. Um, but uh, this guy USA stops him from getting shot too. And the the evil character is called Red Brain, which is a takeoff of the Red Skull. But one of the coolest things about these books is they like all the ads inside of the book are all fake ads, like you would see in um, like 1960s comics. They like redid them. Um, at the very back, it's like monster-sized commies, and it's got Joseph Stalin as fr Frankenstein. It's like this <laughs> that you can order, and they all have like these coupons that you can cut out and send in for this stuff, like they did in the '60s. Um, and they have letters columns that are completely fake. Like these aren't real letters. Like so, Alan Moore went and he wrote all these letters and all these answers, uh, and they're awesome because he like reads like in depth about even though you only seen Mystery Incorporated in this first issue. There's a letters column saying, oh, a Mystery Incorporated number 64, this happens, and it's really cool. And uh, the the ads are, like, so awesome. Um, turn your armpits into explosive defense mechanisms. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this, like, you know how they used to, in the old comics, they would have, like, things about, like, getting stronger, learning how to fight, or learning kung fu, or something yeah. like that. And so it's a takeoff of that. Um, on the back of uh, Mystery Incorporated issue... It's like this thing about how learning English better, and it says at the top, "Shamed by you English, <laughs> you can speak soon and write like a graduate college if me if me let you help for a day of fifteen minutes." <laughs> says if you, and then it goes on and says if you've ever been shamed by you English mistake, I can I can maybe save you from disappointing years. Have I met numbers countless men and women being who are held back in their social jobs and lives without often knowing it because express themselves they cannot fully and easily <laughs> and like the whole thing is just about like learning how to uh, how speaking english well will serve you well in your life but it's all written in horrible english and so uh i forgot what it was one of these books has like a a sea monkeys ad you remember those oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. but this one is one that ones that instead of putting them in water you actually plant them in the soil and they grow and they're supposed to be like <laughs> these like animals that grow out of the ground <laughs> and so yeah they're like they're, like they put so much thought into this dude and it's it, it's awesome and it's like i think it I, for a lot of people it just got mixed in with a lot of that early image stuff that you know you, seems like the appreciation got, yeah. yeah got lost there yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yep, so it was key to me because it turned me on to Alan Moore, and, and it just made me realize that, you know, I was, I was such an image junkie at the time, and I realized, you know, from reading this, that, you know, there was something else. The, all the stuff that these guys were paying homage to, you know, I've spent the last twenty years investigating and stuff, and and reading and loving, and and that's takes up most of my reading time. So 
I like to think that this had something to do with my love of, you know, the the Silver Age and Bronze Age comics. So Awesome. Thanks, Spence. Uh, and uh, if you have a key to me that uh, you might want us to talk about or, or at least look into, uh, shoot us uh, information on that. <laughs> Shoot us an information. <laughs> you speak English good? <laughs> you learned me everything I know. <laughs> you want me to send, you, send information you? <laughs> okay, now it's time for that part of the show that we call What the... All right, Deadpool. And, yep, uh, so this, one, this time we're going to let... Uh, we're going to discuss... Deadpool and and let's throw Harley Quinn in there too. Let's throw um, Harley Quinn. They're the same character. So uh, if you listen to the last segment, you'll see that what Callie was so what he loved the most about the Authority is this: they were so over the top and they just would just <laughs> do things that are unlike other superheroes would do. And a lot of people say that about Deadpool and Harley Quinn. And so I'm just uh, surprised that you don't love them as much. Well, my problem is, is see, Deadpool is kind of like, um, see, to me, like you're not seeing authority stickers on kids' cars, but you're seeing Deadpool right next to their uh, ICP stickers. You know, um, you're seeing these guys wearing these shirt. I mean, yeah, I'm judging people by the way they look, yes, and I'm alienating a big part of the reading uh, community. Um, Dude, if there was... The authority stickers, you would have bought them. And I would have, heck yeah. Yeah, so explain to me how it's different. Well, because Deadpool is, he's he's too popular to be cool. <laughs> so, okay, so. No, it's not just it's not just the popularity. It's it's the whole like I, I okay maybe I shouldn't say I hate Deadpool so much as I hate the fan base of Deadpool. I cannot stand the fans of Deadpool. <laughs> well, so you're generalizing a little bit here. Right? I am so generalizing a what, lot. What does your typical Deadpool fan look like? Deadpool fan typically shops at Hot Topic or Spencer's <laughs> Gifts. Um, no relation. Yeah, no relation to Spencer here. Um, they typically listen to I- ICP. Or... I don't think anybody listens to ICP <laughs> Dude, anymore. Deadpool fans listen to ICP. Dude, <laughs> Nobody lo- younger than 30 listens to ICP. I was in Vegas... And they had an ICP gathering that weekend, and there was guys older than me with ICP gear. Yeah, on. that's what I'm saying. It's the older people, but the kids love Deadpool. Like your 20 year old kid loves Deadpool. I don't think a 20 year old kid is listening to ICP. Nobody's listening to Lincoln Park. No, dude. Yes, you're still saying early 2000s references. Okay, what? Well, um, what's that kid that just got shot? X triple extensions or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, so it's that. Or what's that? Crappy one, that rapper that overdosed on Xanax or yeah. whatever not that long ago, Lil Peep or Lil whatever. Pe- yeah, sure. Yeah, so those, it's like those, those type of people. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So then they're shopping at your crappy white trash places at the mall. They're you know they're smokers. They're uh, I don't know. I'm just like going too much into this. <laughs> so <but>. They're smokers. <laughs> they're vapors. They're by va- the way. Yeah, vapors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm just I I am so done with the whole Deadpool, um, the whole Deadpool scene. I just I am so sick of it. I'm sick of Harley Quinn. It's the same character except a, she's a female. I mean, who really thinks that Harley Quinn could take on the the new gods? Really, the one comic <laughs> fan is actually reading that garbage. Uh, dude, it's it's gonna be so crazy because she's so zany and she's so like out of the box. Or, or to use your words, over the top and in your face. <laughs> that that would be such a great juxtaposition. No, horrible, with gods. horrible. And not only that, what? Okay, so I know a lot of people went and saw the movies. How many of those people are actually reading Deadpool comics? 
They don't Zero? Need, they don't need to, dude. Because the movie has everything you need. Oh, it's such garbage. <laughs> such, such garbage. So, um, yeah, I, um, I, I, I get where you're coming from, dude. I, I feel a little bit of that. Um, but I don't get as heated up as you. To, I, I, you got to get to the point in life where it's live and let live, dude. If people want to like something, you should be okay with them liking what they, whatever it is they want to like. I understand, but I, I'm sick of seeing the stickers. I'm sick of seeing the t-shirts. I'm sick of seeing the, the merch for the Merc without a mouth. You know, yeah. like I'm just, I'm sick of driving by and it's like somebody listened to ICP super loud with dreadlocks and, and they smell like BO and oh, there's a Deadpool sticker on their car. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sick of it. <laughs> um, but, but then yet they hate Superman. Okay, you know? so so now that we've got that out of the way, okay, describe um, your authority fan to me, your typical authority fan. Typical uh, typical authority fan. Well, most of them are going to be a little older because I don't think authority is even around now. I don't think it's even being published. Um, the, a guy. Uh, let's see. Really smart and handsome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes, definitely smart. <laughs> definitely and handsome. Don't, don't sneak a bo. Definitely don't sneak a bo unless yeah. they choose to. Yeah, and they just have like <laughs> like uh, just waves of pussy around them all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that that's like I think we got that cleared up. So that's the big difference between the authority and the fans of Deadpool and authority Harley Quinn is fans. like Deadpool but with class. Oh, I like right? that. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. They should put that on there. They <laughs> should. Things. Well, I don't. Did it Warren Ellis or uh, Mark Millar or Grant Morrison ever write Deadpool? Hmm. I, I can tell it. you right here, Warren Ellis is on the authority. Warren Ellis is a respectable comic book writer. Yeah, not so much Mark. The, not Mark, Mark Millar's can suck it too. Yeah, actually, he's basically the garbage. same. He's such a sellout. Yeah, Kickass is like the same as Deadpool. Yeah, he is exactly the same. So, <laughs> but what's ironic is that Mark Millar actually wrote the story that I actually really like. Yeah, but that was before he came out with Kickass. Oh, okay. so I'll justify it that way. <laughs> so that was before he started listening to ICP. Right, right. Okay. But I do believe Warren Ellis did, was the creator of the Authority, and and uh, yeah, he can be boring sometimes. Yeah. But he, but he's respectable. He does like music and stuff now. Does he? Yeah. 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 Actually, here and and movies too. Yeah. Oh. There's that movie about moonshiners that he like co-directed or directed or something, starring Tom Hardy and Shia LaBeouf. Huh. Crazy. Anyway. Um, or he had something to do with that. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Um, but I know he's ventured out of comics to do other things. Um, or what's the other one? What's the other one that I get Warren Ellis mixed up with? The other Brit. Grant Morrison. No. No, no there's two. Warren Ellis and one other Brit. That's uh, Freak, dude. No, dude, know. this is I'm good sure radio. Is. Yeah. Anyway, there's this other one that writes, like, I think they've even done some of the same books. Uh, anyway. Uh, that's good radio. Um, I think that, <laughs> so that's, <clears throat> I think that's going to wrap it up, man. So, um, after the end song, uh, we'd like anybody who's not a Patreon subscriber to go ahead and turn it off. Um, when you hear the music <laughs> stop. Um, but if you are a Patreon subscriber, um, we've got a, a little bit of, um, a treat in store for you. So, um, remember after the song, if you're a subscriber, go ahead and finish the podcast but if you're not a subscriber, turn it off as soon as the music ends. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Hello, and welcome to Keyback Issue, a podcast that explores single issues of importance through the birth up through the Bronze Age. <laughs>
The Blonde Age. The Blonde Age. <laughs> okay, let's try again. We'll save okay. that one for the Patreon okay. subscribers. Patreons, thank you for listening. Okay.